Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guest three thought provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week, rather self-deprecatingly, describes himself as, quote, having been in some great classic British movies, some dreadful British movies, and can usually be seen slightly out of focus behind some very expensive actors. Not true. His CV is staggeringly impressive, having been on our big and small screens for almost 30 years now in movies like X-Men First Class, Social Network, Snatch, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, I could go on, and then there's the telly, must-see show. Shows like Jamestown, Primeval, Pennywise, and Save Me, playing to perfection Tams, a cross-dressing nightclub hostess, which almost broke my heart. Now 53, he still lives not far from where he grew up in Putney, raised by a very hard-working single mum, Fiona, and his older brother, are both social workers. Married with twin boys, he's just launched a truly brilliant podcast called More Than My Past that's a byproduct of the almost 30 years he spent working with inmates at Brixton and Wandsworth Prison. And he's truly excellent as both a host and as an interviewer. So let's crack on and he can tell us all about it. And we're going to dial up Jason Fleming. Jace, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing some wine and time with me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's lovely to see you. Any excuse to see you. <laughs> More than my past is... I've listened to every single episode now. Oh. It, it's, a, it's a story of redemption and second chances. But tell me how this journey began for you, working with inmates and, and second chances. Um, I suppose I've, all, I've always been fascinated with prison um, and that journey... I suppose a kind of one reason being that it was a definite possibility that that was a road I could have taken. 
just from growing up, you know, uh, poor in South London. And I found acting quite early and not everyone I was surrounded with did find what they wanted to do early. And I think that is the key, you know, the key to keep you focused and on a straight road is to have direction and to have um, a, a destiny that you want to try and achieve. And I had that from a very early age. So that was that. But when I started the RSC, which was my first job, we did a tour of um, uh, Cat A prisons. Uh, with the change. Category A prisons. Category so we're, prisons, we're talking about the, 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 the kind of top tier offenders. Really. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of VIP offenders. Like <laughs> yeah, your, prestige your li- Yeah, your lifers. And we did this tour and um, I found it amazing going into the Nick and, and just seeing that. And uh, How old were you, Jace? I was, I was not young. I was like probably 24, 25. And you're going in doing Shakespeare yeah, well, to we Category did, yeah. A prisoners. So in, in The Changeling, my character gets strangled and I was doing my best, you know, acting. We are in the church, I think it was Durham Nick, and while I was getting strangled, I'm going, (laughs) and I die, and this voice goes, takes longer than that. (laughs) So from that moment, I was like, okay, okay, this is a real world. This is really (laughs) happening. And and I think from then, (laughs) and from then I just, uh, I had a a couple of mates who who were, one mate was in Wandsworth, one in Brixton, and I went to visit them. And it was just harrowing and horrendous. And I realised then, really, that it was something that these people were very maligned. And I knew that the people that I knew that were in the nick, who were people who had made the wrong choices and gone left instead of right. Um, but they seemed to be small mistakes that had driven them down that path. So I kind of got interested in it then. And then... Um, then we did a radio show in Wandsworth called Radio 10999. And <laughs> did then, you? And then the, With guests being the inmates. Well, yeah, it was a sketch show. It was a sketch show mm. that I did. Um, it got the Tories cut the, cut the programme, so we had to stop doing it. But it was great for a while. And that was... So I started going to Wandsworth doing that. And then um, that got cut. And then, and then I started uh, doing stuff with the, with the Samaritans where we, we train listeners, um, which is... I st- I'm still doing that. So... Basically, um, which is an amazing program, the Samaritans train uh, convicts um, to become listeners and then they self-police the prison. So basically, if you're in, in the nick and you're having a bad time, you bang on the door and the screw has to ask um, a listener to come and sit with you or be with you. And that's cut um, suicide in prisons by 50% over the last 10 years. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. So... That, that you've halved the yeah. death rate. Yeah, so basically on every wing in most prisons in the UK, there's a listener. Um, and uh, they wear a little listener's band and it's really good for them because it looks great on their parole. And also a lot of them, it's the first certificate, you know, to get a certificate to become a listener is the first sort of uh, positive certificate they've ever won you know so it's an amazing thing for their self-esteem that is amazing it is amazing do you have a lot of inmates come forward volunteering yeah, they to want become to. the listener yeah this saturday we're going into brixton and this there's uh um because lockdowns meant that most prisoners have been in in their cell for 23 hours a day and they've been that way for the last five months and that's still the case and it's just opening up now so they're just about to start their training systems and that stuff it's literally just been the last couple of weeks so they're not allowed any visitors at this time no visitors 23 hour bang up so they've been in their their cell all the times we've been going I can't believe we can only go to the park for an hour they've been stuck in a cell which is pretty tough going Um, but anyway on Saturday we're working with, I think, 18 prisoners. And then we select out of those 18 and 10 maybe will 
will start the training program and then maybe six or seven will finish it. So, but they'll become a listener, and uh, that's an amazing thing, and and it's really good for them. For I was their... going to say, what's the, what's um, I mean, obviously this has been happening for a while. Mm. What do they get from it in terms of? life on the outside once they become a skilled listener because that that is something really quite special i think for their self-esteem it's massive but it's really good on the the governor of the prison really likes them you know it's really good for them for their parole and etc for their um for their future it's on their cv it's a it's a good thing for them to have must change the way they think as well because when you listen it does make you think differently it's a really interesting thing isn't it because we all know we should listen more obviously but when you are with not to go too much into what the Samaritans do but the point is they don't give any advice you know there is no advice and because there is no responsibility because all you're doing is listening you know Mm -hmm. so if someone says you know my dad died yesterday you don't say oh I'm really sorry about that because one you don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing you know what I mean you don't know what the dad did to the person that's telling you so but you just go oh that's that's how does that make you feel um what are the ramifications of that? You know, what's going to happen? You know, so so by just listening and not advising, um, people get to the end of the... You might spend 40 minutes or an hour with someone. At the end of it, they go, I feel so much better. Thank you so much for helping me. And you go, well, I've actually said nothing. All I've done is let you speak. And mm. so that's a great thing. And in the prisons, it's an amazing thing because, you know... You can You're imagine. a listener, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we do it on the phone, but they, they, do, they do it... In the prison, they do it one-to-one. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a... And have you been doing that in lockdown? Yeah, yeah, not not in the prison, but at, at central London. Phone. At central London, yeah. So we do it on the phone. Wow. Um, so that's been amazing. Well, it's an amazing thing, especially with the prisons. When I mean, listen. By the way, there's nothing better than walking out of a prison. You know what I mean? Every when whenever I do anything, the Nick, you walk. It's a lot out, more fun than walking in, right? Do you know what I mean? You walk out, and you're like, oh my god, look, there's buses and cafes. I could just go in any cafe I want. I mean, it's it's a selfish thing in a way because it makes you feel like it's Christmas Day whenever you leave the prison. For me, it does anyway. So. And what you've done now is you've amplified it and you started to tell people stories. And they're true tales of redemption and second chances. Yeah. You've got episodes featuring people that listeners will have heard of, like the brilliant Tony Adams talking mm-hmm. about his his problems with drink and Chris Difford from Squeeze, yeah. and John Bird, the founder of The Big Issue, which is amazing. But also regular inmates and their stories, you know, yeah. murderers. Yeah. <laughs> people that have c- committed heinous crimes. Yeah, I mean, but are no trying one's one, to no better one, themselves. No one's one thing, you know. It's amazing. It's like obviously there's people in prison who are absolute wrongs and should be in prison possibly forever. Yeah. But I've met people who've done terrible things who are incredibly compassionate and full of love. You have someone who has done something horrendous but has so much love and compassion. And um, I think about eighty percent of the people in the Nick, as far as I'm concerned, eighty percent of the people in the Nick. If you put your hand out to help them, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about proper, you know, proper services, proper uh, charities. They'll take it and they'll. Well, look at. I mean, we just talk about Jamie Oliver. You know, Jamie Oliver, um, his 15 Foundation was basically either young offenders or or drug addicts. You know, and he did 10 generation, 10, 10 generations of of uh, chefs went through his uh, 15 Foundation all of whom had come from difficult backgrounds, all of whom had either done time or, um, or were about to do time. And he kind of stopped that, that, that road, that process for them. And, you know, they're all, the, the success rate is huge. You know, people, if you put out your hand and help to help people properly, they will take it and they will bite your hand off to, to, to take that opportunity you're giving them. And I found that really um, 
with the prisons and I'm fascinated by that. I was brought up by a single parent, yeah, but she encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. I was wanting to act, so she made sure that happened. She made sure that I was at the National Youth Theatre. She would drive me, you know, she really encouraged she bust me. She bust a gut for you to be able to have an ambition and a purpose for yourself. Yeah, yeah. and to allow me to And fulfill. if you don't have that, then yeah. how, how do you get started? Because it's hard enough anyway when you're working from a point of being supported yeah. and encouraged. Yeah, and, you know, I was speaking to someone else about this the other day, and it's like, the other thing is that people who have come from a busted past, they're crippled uh, socially and their confidence. So that if you say, look, here's the opportunity, right? All you got to do is go and get a passport photo, fill out this form and turn up to this address at 10.30 and there's a job at the end of it. And they won't do it. And then you go, I've just told you what to do. Why haven't you done it? And that Because you don't understand the, that expectation or that... Uh, the, what, what you're asking them to do that you and me would just do is way too much for them to do. It's way too, it's way too great an expectation for them to do. And so you have to kind of like look at their situation and look at who they are and what they're capable of and then inch by inch help them, you know. Mm. And people lose patience, you know. They lose patience with people who've been given opportunities that are then messed them up, you know, and then are back where they were, you know. It's like that circle of incarceration and addiction re-addiction re-incarceration mm. and it goes round and round and round and people lose patience you know. and that becomes the definition of insanity right when you mm -hmm. just keep repeating the same mm. mistakes that is the dictionary definition of insanity yeah. so you have to be able to step in and help break mm. that circle of behavior yeah because then you look at their siblings or their grandparents and it's the same circle yeah. and it's almost like depressingly destined but if you don't intervene and try to break that chain then that would just carry on generation to generation to generation, and that is destructive. And as human beings, we kind of owe it to each other. Like you say, just to put a hand out, I keep your so. ladders down, yeah, you know? I think so. Help each other up. I think and, that's really important. And you know, it's like with, you know, I mean, I know that there's, we could talk about this all day, and it's, I love to talk about it, but it's like you give opportunities to people, whether they be refugees or whether they be, ex-offenders you know and you look at like I mean my favorite quote the whole summer is the fact that Steve Jobs's grandfather was a Syrian refugee you know and he went to America as a refugee and his grandson created Apple and you just go well come on guys I know that's not the case every time but it's like you know these people are capable of amazing things and I've you know I've heard a couple of of your podcasts with people who've, who've come from humble backgrounds that have done amazingly well you know Talent, what, your 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 uh, the, your opportunities are based on your upbringing, but not the possibilities of what you can do. You know. Now I've I've written three questions for you. Okay. I've explained to you how the podcast works. Okay. We pour wine. I, I throw questions okay. at you, and your life is so rich, and your stories are so brilliantly colourful hmm. that I know that we are in for a treat. So I wanted to kind of stick with the theme of More Than My Past because I think it's really important, and and you've extracted so much great potential by way of storytelling from your guests. So I want to see if I can do the okay. same with you. So my first question is, when did a second chance make a real difference to you? You mean a second chance for me? Mm, yeah. You know, I think work which has defined me, you know, it has defined my confidence. As a young man, I wasn't super confident. Um, and 
I don't think that I'm like an actor actor, but I know that doing well at being an actor and having a career, having 150 flicks behind me gives me the... So how many is that? Well, I mean, mate, a lot of them are unwatchable. Do you know what I mean? We're talking, <laughs> you know, Spice Girls the movie, Cedar Chucky. I mean, that's just two to get on with. But having all those movies behind me makes me feel like someone who has done okay, you know what I mean? And that, and that uh, confidence allows me to behave the way I behave and allows me to hold my head up and my shoulders back and to help people around me because I go, oh, you know, it's a nice feeling. It's a nice feeling. It's a validation, isn't it? It's a valid, exactly. It, valid, it makes me feel like I'm validated. And, and that's because I've been allowed to do the job that I love. Um, and that's because I'm confident enough to do the job I love. I'm not talking about... James Corden presenting the Oscars. I'm just talking about walking into a room, opening the door and walking into a room of the people in our business and feeling validated and feeling like I've got an opinion and that's fine. So, Not an imposter. Yeah, not an imposter. You know, not an imposter. I sometimes do, but, you know, generally I don't feel like an imposter. And I think when you're talking about second chances, our work, it's difficult because our work, it's really funny because our work doesn't work like that. You don't get an opportunity. Some people get an opportunity and, and then take it. But second chances for us are not even second chances. They're like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth chances. Because so much of what we do is about rejection and about being strong enough to live through that. And the strength to live through rejection comes from a self-belief. And the self-belief comes from not being rejected. So so which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, so it's interesting because <laughs> you can only take the kick-ins... If you go, no, I'm all right, I can do, I can do with it. My old man had this expression, he, he called it his fuck off money. And uh, my dad would go, he was a director. and He was a very successful director. A very successful director and a very successful alcoholic. Um, fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> and he, he, he would call it his fuck off money. And so when a job came up, he'd go to his, he'd say the Cedar Chucky came up for my dad, he'd go to his back pocket. And if he had 40 quid in his back pocket, he'd go, fuck off. But if he didn't, he'd go, I think that's a great script. And I've always been fascinated by that program. And um, I'm really excited to be part of your project. <laughs> and that's what it's been for me. You know, I'm a grafter. I'm, you know, luckily I'm allowed to do it. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm not, um, I'm not Jude Law, you know. And, and part of that has come from, from part of my strength has come from when you say second chances, like you get knocked back, you get knocked back, and then you get a gig and you get a gig. And a lot of those gigs are not the gigs that go to the big boys because they're the gigs that big boys aren't interested in. But it, what it means is you get to go and do a film about a lesbian sheep farmer in Czechoslovakia, or you get to go to... Have you actually done that? Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you get to go to Jordan just when they killed Osama bin Laden, or you get to go you to... You were there then, yeah, weren't but you? Yeah, all those great things that are, you know, when they go, listen, Jay, uh, we can't, you can't shoot the RPG in Jordan because of the increased security risk because they've just killed Bin Laden. So we're going to cross the border. It's only 40k away. And I mean, no, fine, what, what, which border are we going to cross? Literally, it's 40k away. Yeah, I know, but which border are we going to cross? What country are we going to go into with me dressed as an American soldier with an RPG? Well, it's just, honestly, and we'd get that, and I'd say, yeah, but which country? Iraq. <laughs> and, you know, those jobs, those jobs don't happen to those lads. So when you say second chances, I... I revel and delight in the fact that I am 
that guy, you know, that does the... I mean, that's my... Those are my stories, you know, that's my stories. It's second chances, it's second best, if you want, even. Uh, You know, you're right, and in some ways that offers you those beautiful roles, those, those beautiful roles and moments. Like, let's talk about Save Me with Lenny James, right? In it, you played... Is it Tams or yeah, Tam? Tam? Yeah, Tam, So, when... I didn't know you were in it. I knew Kerry Godleyman was in it. Yeah, and she's, she's a mate that lives up the road, yeah, you know. she does. Um, near us. And uh, so I was watching it and I thought, holy shit, that's Jace. <laughs> I know. As a woman. Oh my God, he's quite fabulous. And you played her. So, so she's, she's... Is she transgender? Is transgender. She... Heterosexual transgender. Uh, heterosexual transgender. Right. Yeah. So, tell me what... How... How, like, first first start, Jude Law ain't going to get that call. You're totally right. No, you're right. not. And, and that's why, you know, when you talk, because I'm trying to keep it on point about the questions, but it's, to me, second chances, second best, second chances, sec, you know, it's it's to do with um, being under the radar, you know, and, yeah. and, and not getting boxed because you're not brilliant at anything or you've not been like, you've not excelled at something so that then you're boxed you know if you don't if you just if you're just not mediocre I'm not saying I'm mediocre but if you just do the job well then you don't get into that complicated situation where you know leading men are leading men leading men can't play tam you can't play you know number seven on the call sheet put a dress and a spanx on and a pair of high heels <laughs> and then and then when lenny james says something to you answer you can't do that you know you, you can't do that you know stevie graham's there and you've got to go all right mate here's, here's your cup of tea you can't do that but it's great to be part of that world and be with those lads and be with those great epic iconic stars but be giving them a cup of tea and a dress and spanx you know what i mean and and, and so tam yeah basically to get back to your question Tam was um, what I love about my job is that it's relatively a small community. So once you've done 150 odd gigs, you know, um, Lenny will go phone you up and go, sorry, Jay, mate, listen, you know, um, someone's pulled out and we start on Monday. Can you do it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the. Is that how Tam came about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was like, we always wanted you to do it. And I'm like, then why are you phoning me? Now. Two days before it starts. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. It was meant to be someone else, but now it's you. And that's always been the way I've done my so work. So Tam was the second chance. No, do you know what? I don't think he was. I think I'm being a little bit... But usually it's... I'm usually... Like, I did this Russian gig called V, and uh, it was just after um, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and I had a tiny bit of tepid warmth around my, my, my career. And so these Russians were like, we need to find someone who's very important in the... And they'd, they... They um, eventually they came to me, and I was like, "Bruv, how many people did you offer the part to? It's not important. You do a very good job, Jason. Very impressive. You're wonderful." Like I said, "Yeah, but how many people did you go to before me?" He went, "I don't say because." I said, "Please tell me." He goes, "Okay, it was 30. and I was like, 30? Wow, thirty. That's went, not even seven. You on the made call me sheet. say this. You made me say this. I did not want to say it. I'm like, oh my god. So, so, so. <laughs> But they, you know, I'm sure they went to Jude, but Jude didn't go to, you know, Jude didn't go to China with Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger, who at the time was in a wheelchair and we were doing an action movie. You know, he didn't get to do that. (laughs) I did. (laughs) So actually, there's real beauty in second chances. I think so. I honestly think, I and by the way, I have been first choice in loads of jobs, but it's like that Groucho Marx quote about saying you know if you want me to be a member of your club I don't want to be a member of it yeah. if you come to Jason Fleming as your first choice I know your script shit 
<laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like, I'd rather be 12th choice and be working with David Fincher and Brad Pitt yeah. than first choice and working with, you know, me and Dexter Fletcher. Yeah. You know, who's a great mate, by the way, you know what I mean? Yes, I know. I mean, and I also mean as an actor, not a director. Yeah. <laughs> Although Dex, I mean, there's, there's another brilliant example of somebody yeah. that just keeps reinventing, right? It's so funny. It's so funny because Dexter Fletcher, um, as we know, is, a, is now one of Britain's uh, hottest directors. But he just did that I Hate Susie um, show. Oh, my God. Because we're all on the same WhatsApp group. Did you see the yeah, so Dex has got this. Forth. So Dex has got this scene in I Hate Susie, right? And everyone's gone mad about it, right? And I'm like, Dex was always the best actor of our little group. Do you know what I mean? He's a brilliant actor. He was actor. always the best actor. You give Dex because, and I'll tell you why, and I think I'm quite good at it too. We're so used to doing crap. That if you give us a crap line, we'll make it work. You know what I mean? And Rolling so Dex, glitter. Dex was always the best actor of our of our generation, and now he, you know he's making these big movies, and he did a, he did this little thing. I hate Susie as a giggle, um, and now like Lucinda Sison, who's my partner in a in a business that I've got. Um, called the Colonel Fact. She's like, oh, Dex is amazing. You know, maybe we should get him to do this part. I'm like, no, it's too late. He's directing like A-list Oscar-winning <laughs> actors. You can't now get him to do an episode of you know. Kakapoo and the Shintug Brothers. <laughs> in our business, you don't get what you deserve. You know, if you work for 30 years in any business you sh- and you're good at it, you should get some sort of payoff. But it doesn't work like that. It doesn't that. work like that. No, Queen doesn't. doesn't always rise to the no, top, it doesn't. sadly. Karma no, it doesn't. doesn't always have its day. No, it doesn't. Sadly. And quite often, it's a bitch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, you know, you've decided you wanted to be an actor, singer, writer, songwriter, director. Then it was your, you know, it's, that's the you're way it is. You're choosing a life of... Not 85% rejection. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually probably where you find a lot of affinity with the people that you deal with in prisons. Yeah, I just know, and I, th- I think... Not that I'm comparing no, their no, no. path to yours, but there is... By the way, I've met people in prison that I've acted with. That's really funny to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I was on Radio 1 and this geezer goes, I know you. And I was like, oh, bruv, where do I know you from? He said, we were in Snatch together. And I was like, oh my God, we were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how's things going? And I went, don't ask that, Jace. He's in the Nick. He's in prison. (laughs) He's on a prison radio Because I'm thinking of changing my agent. I'm like, I think you should think about changing your profession. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I wanted to talk about great teachers who mm. have been your great teachers because without them, our, our, our life oh. education is so poor and they don't always have to stand in a classroom. Mm. It's really funny you should say that. Great teachers, great motivators. Um, I mean, there was the classic, I did have the classic primary school teacher, um, Mavis Gotto, who was an inspiration uh, and basically said, do what, do what you want to do, you know, and follow your dreams, all the stuff that you'd hope a teacher would say. And really weirdly, um, when my, I've got twin boys and they're nine, and when I was trying to find them a school, uh, so they would have been about four, um, I went to this, what I thought, you know how all the London primary schools, right, are now private schools, right? You know, like Thomas's, all these schools, yeah. right? They, they basically use, they, I don't know what happens to the old primary schools, but they basically either turn the primary schools into flats so that people with 2.4 million pound apartments are going in doors that say boys or girls. <laughs> yeah, you know, like or the, toilets. Yeah, or toilets. Or <laughs> they turn them into private schools. And this school was, was in Ballam and it looked like a primary school. And I went in and I was having a look around um, and then I was walked off the premises. No, and I was looking around <laughs> and I saw this building. It said Gotto, Gotto Buildings. And I was like, and I, I was getting a tour from the, the headmaster. I said, that's Gotto. I said, my teacher was called Mavis Gotto. And he said, yeah, Mavis Gotto um, was a teacher, was founded this school. And I was like, oh my God, that's so, my kids didn't get in, by the way, even though that connection was there. <laughs> but Mavis Gotto was an amazing teacher and she told me to do what I wanted to do and to be who I wanted to be. Um, Which sounds so simple, right? Yeah. But it means so much if nobody else ever tells you that. Yeah. If nobody else puts that message in your ear, yeah. then you'll never spread your wings and fly. No, you won't. You won't. She's and it's, 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 it's so, so simple. Yeah, she was cool. And then, um, and then later on, later on, I mean, without being too much of a wanker, my mum was an amazing, was an amazing teacher for me. Listen, you're talking to a single mother. Okay. That does not make you sound like a wanker. Okay. That makes you sound like, can you tell my son that, please? Yeah, okay. Well, she, she <laughs> kind of, like I said earlier on, she let me do, she, she encouraged me to be an actor. She encouraged me to, to do what I wanted to do and, and let, I mean, I, I was living at home in drama school. I mean, I was, I was probably about 39 years old. I was still living at home. <laughs> That's not quite true. Not quite true, but you know. <laughs> she just, not far off. <laughs> she was like working all day and then she did three nights a week uh, working at night. And um, She's a social worker. She was a social worker, yeah. And she used to flip properties. She used to flip properties. She was a social worker. She worked in a caravan outside Wimbledon dog track selling um, winkles. And me and my big, yeah, winks and prawns outside out the caravan. <laughs> and she had this sort of hat on that was like a prawn. It was like a big prawn. <laughs> and I'd be sat in the corner of the caravan doing my homework, going, "Take it off, mum! Take it off!" That's brilliant. And it was just a poor, my poor mum, you know. But she took any job to get you yeah. and your brother through. Didn't yeah, me she? and my big brother. She, that's what she do. So we'd move into a 
a house that was horrible that someone had just died in and that smelled of fish fingers. And then she'd paint <laughs> it and make it nice. And just as it got nice, we'd sell it and then we'd move into another place and, that someone I had mean, died in. We get court. it now, right? She was trying to... Every step was was a step of betterment yeah, to better your absolutely. your situation. But as as kids, it's probably hard to see that. I was like, "Why are we moving out of here? It's really nice now." <laughs> um, and then the new one smells of piss and fish fingers <laughs> again, and, again. But um, yeah, she was so she was incredible, and you know she's eighty four now, and she's kind of done. You know, she's she's exhausted, and she's run her race, and she's seen both her boys grow up and become who they you know to a greater or lesser extent what they wanted to be and what they aspired to be so that's an interesting thing isn't it when you that must feel really good for her jace because you know to start out with two young kids your dad wasn't around no no he wasn't and that i think once you become a parent yourself and you you realize i mean you're a very present parent to have a very absent one that 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 brings up a whole other raft of feelings i'm sure but to fight and struggle to raise your boys and then for them to actually, you know, that sometimes talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but people will never realize their full potential, that self-actualization, if they haven't got the most basic of needs, which is food, shelter, Mm -hmm. education, health, you know, that stuff. She gave you all of that so that you could then go out and both of you realize your potential and your brother's doing the work that he loves. It's a social worker. Yeah, he's a social worker, yeah. Yeah, and then there's you. So mum's a social worker, was, she's retired now, but she was a social worker who who worked with homeless, uh, it was a Scottish charity she worked for. She was working with the Scottish homeless in London and my big brother was head of child protection in Hackney. And I was Blimey. a bloody actor. So, <laughs> and I was in Lockstock. <laughs> so, so, so I'd be with my brother and I'd be going, blood. I call him blood. I'd be going, blood, it's a nightmare. I've got this geezer right, he's driving me up to, um, up to Pinewood and he just won't shut up. And, then the, and I, the phone went dead and I phoned him back and I said, gee, sorry, I lost the, the, the line. He went, no, 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 I put the phone down. <laughs> I just can't listen and to And I went, you. what? And he went, you know, when you start moaning about your driver, I put the phone down. And I went, oh, sorry, gee, yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, sorry, blood. <laughs> So he, I mean, he, and also with my poor brother, because he'd be like, he'd be like uh, on an estate in Hackney, uh, taking a child away from a very dangerous situation with the police, and they'd bang the door down, and my brother would be going, "Mr. Jenkins, my name is Gareth Fleming, and I'm removing your child from you by under the Child Protection Act." Night, and the bloke would go, "Look, Mavis, it's the bloke from Lockstock," and he's like, "No, it's not the bloke from fucking Lockstock. I'm taking your kid away forever." How could I be the bloke from Lockstock? No, mate, look, it's him, Mavis. <laughs> my brother would be like, Jay, for God's sake, what's your hair look like at the moment? Because I've got to cut it the other way. Because he, Or he'd be like in court and he'd, they'd be going, and you will go to prison for three years for the heinous crime. And, the, and then the judge would go, you were very good at Miss Marple. And he went, <laughs> I wasn't in Miss Marple. We're putting someone in prison for three... This is serious. My poor brother. Also, because Bar Italia in town like was Gareth's place and I mean to be fair I put my hours in at Bar Italia I, I bet you coffee. did not far but from Groucho <laughs> when I go in they ring the bell they go ding and Gareth's <laughs> like that is the most annoying thing because he introduced me to Bar Italia it was like his place and now he's like they ring the bloody bell when you walk in the door this is my calf <laughs> so he gets the right hump so your mum and, and Gareth were, were big, a big part of your kind of life education. Yeah, Gareth was amazing as well because he was a big brother and we used to go to um, punk gigs and I was Little Flem and he was Big Flem. And he used to take me to see The Damned and The Clash and I'd be like 14, 15. And if we didn't get in, he would turn around and take me home. He was a massive influence on my life. He, Gareth, was, my big brother, 
is my hero. He's always has been, you know, and we had these two leather jackets. Mum wouldn't let us wear them because his said, never mind the bomb, who's got the biggest cock? And mine said, <laughs> mine said, Jesus died for his own sins, not mine. And we'd have to put them in bin bags and throw it out the window because we, we weren't allowed to walk out the door. And then we'd put our leather jackets on and then we'd go off to wherever Just we were going. Just your mum didn't see you. And some mum didn't so see us wear these leather jackets. So punk. <laughs> Then we go up to Waterloo and just spit at businessmen and stuff. You know, that was what we did. But so Gareth was like this amazing influence. And I'm, he is my hero. And I, yeah, I've always looked for his approval. I suppose because dad was never there, you know. And mm. So Gareth, from a very early age, was my father figure. You know, he was what I aspired to, the person I aspired to please. And uh, he was amazing because also I was always the spoilt one. And he was the big brother who had to actually know the real truth about the economics of our family. And all that was protected from me. You know, I was never to know. You know, I never was to know any of that stuff. So, yeah. So your mum kind of <clears throat> elevated his responsibility. Totally, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. So, that's yeah, a, that's that a lot was for him. that. And then professionally, when I started acting, you know, there's the the, the most, you know, I, the, those figures, that the teacher figures really became um, those actors that I watched, you know, and those directors that... that that looked out for me and, and uh, helped me along the way. And I suppose they would be, even though it kills me to say it, you know, Guy Ritchie, who was amazing and gave me real confidence. Because, you know, the WhatsApp group from, from uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels is still quite active. The, You're joking, the WhatsApp that's group, lovely. The WhatsApp group from Seed of Chucky, not quite so active, do you know what I mean? Success is quite Spice bonding. Spice world. Yeah, not, not dead. Because really. <laughs> success is quite bonding. So that, that kind of family that we had, you know, with Guy and Matt Bourne and Staith and uh, Nick Moran and Vass Blackwood and all those guys, and Dex, obviously. I mean, I mean, we're all, I would say that I'm still, I'm definitely so close to Staith, so close to Dex. I've just done Nick Moran's film, you know, I love Nick. Have you? You know. Still working with Matthew Vaughan quite a lot? No, not so much, actually. Um, you have over the years. I've worked, I did nine films with Matt. And, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you do move on a bit, you know, you have to move on and, I just grab onto the coattails of lots of young people and just hold on tight. It's an amazing thing because we need them and we need to see, you know, like the new world that we're living in when I play Tam and I'm like going, so if I'm transgender, how come I'm heterosexual? And they're like, Jay, you know nothing. Listen, this is the way it is. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm listening. I'm definitely listening. I'm definitely listening. And I love it. I love, you know, I, I, me and Ellie, me and Ellie, do this thing um, in uh, Calais. It's this amazing charity called the Refugee Community Kitchen. And me and Ellie go down there and basically just work in the kitchen and you cook and it's amazing. And then you go on distro and you go out in these vans and you feed the, 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 the refugees that are there. And they all come out of the woods and you give them a good hot curry with loads of fresh coriander and yogurt on it. And they all have a right old munch up and then you go back and the next day happens. And me and Ed, by the way, there are women, mostly women, who are down there for months on end. And I go on, you know, business class Eurostar, do 24 hours down there and come back feeling a lot better about myself. But while we were down there... <laughs> but you've been doing it for years. Yeah, but I love it. it and it's yeah. brilliant. And, and it's, it's great. And you're very committed. So don't, don't downplay what you do. Well, whatever. But anyway, so I'm down there and, and these, these uh, women are incredible and they're great chefs and they're doing their thing. And one of them's carrying this massive pot because they're feeding 2,000 people a day. So she's cooking Jeez. the lentils. It's this massive pot. And she goes... Uh, and she's struggling with it a bit. And I go, babe, let me help you out. And she goes, you, you can't call me babe. And I went, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She goes, not unless you ask. And I went, I'm so sorry. Cool. Sorry, babe. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Can I call you babe? She went, no. <laughs> and I was like, I was just trying to help you with your big pot. 
But that's the new thing. And it's like, yeah, quite right. Who the fuck am I to call you, babe? And you don't want me to call you, babe, so I won't. But I'm trying to learn the new way, you know what I mean? I'm like, do I open the door? I don't know if I do or not, you know, but now I'm frightened. But within that, I get it, you know, there's a new but way But we never of being. stop learning, right? So we always not. need new teachers. Of course not. Course Has not. Ellie been a great teacher for you? Yeah, she's taught me, she's taught me um, where to put my passport and not to put it in the same drawer as my pants and a screwdriver, <laughs> which has always been good. No, Ellie's been amazing because Ellie, you know what? Ellie's taught me, what Ellie has allowed me to be, which is incredible, is she lets me be me, flaws and all. And that's, you know, I was walking with someone in uh, Dulwich Woods today and we were saying, who also is in a long-term relationship, and I was saying, you know, being with someone for 20 years is amazing, but it's not without graft, you know, it's not without effort put in. And what Ellie has always done is allowed me to kind of be me. Not excuse me for bad behaviour, but within that allow but to me love to, you unconditionally yeah to, well, just to let me do what I do and not if I mess up I get told you know and I better get it right because it's not okay to keep getting things wrong but within that I'm allowed to be me so, which is a great thing Question number three. When did you last turn a negative into a positive and how? Oh, wow. When did I last turn a negative into a positive? I mean, I guess anything that's disappointing is a negative, right? Initially. Initially. Um, so a negative could possibly be an international pandemic, you know, that then you go, that's a bit upsetting and annoying that a load of people are dying and uh, the world's gone completely out of control. But it means that uh, we're self-employed, like, you know, you and me and mm -hmm. my mate here is the technician, we're all self-employed. So unless we go to work, we don't earn. Yeah. So for 30 years, we've been trying to uh, keep our families in a, a lifestyle that they have grown accustomed to and it's a it's it's difficult sometimes and sometimes you go to bed and you go to sleep well your partner goes to sleep and you sit there wide-eyed going I don't know if I can make this work I don't know how I'm going to do this and the great thing I suppose about what happened with Covid was that it gave me the space to go well let, no one else is grafting no one else is going to work so I can relax because Jude ain't filming <laughs> um, is Jude is Jude like your your, your Jude's the benchmark. <laughs> yeah. the, the geezer wears the best clothes I've ever seen, and he's so good looking. And wasn't, always been wasn't so hot as a pope. I've got to give you that, you know. But you know, he's always also annoyingly, you know, even back in the day when I was working, uh, like on films like Lockstock. Whenever he, he'd always go, I don't know how he did it, but Jude would always come up to me and go, "Oh, I heard you were doing that film about the lesbian sheep farmer in Czechoslovakia. How did that go?" I'm like. He was always so sweet and so kind and so on it. You know, he'd always know what I was doing. But anyway, so the point about negative to positive is just that anything negative, anything disappointing is, is negative. Any, any failure you have is negative. But always, always, without exception, um, there's a positive to that. You know, even in the most basic sense of you weren't invited to that party but it meant that you were free that Saturday. And on that Saturday, something amazing happened. Mm. I never, I don't think I've ever experienced 
except maybe in grief, you know, like losing people. Mm. I don't think there's ever been a really negative thing that's ever happened to me, ever. Because you've always found the positive. Because there's always been a plus side to it, always. And quite an obvious one. It's not like I've had to fish, you know, too far down to work out what the positives of, of that negative are. I mean, you know, I lost my dad. That was rough. And uh, I think there was no plus side to that, really. But apart from that, I can't think of anything that I've ever thought of as purely negative. Um, and I think, luckily, I've always been glass half full, you know, and that's uh, down to my personality. And part of that personality is because I'm not the brightest button. And I mean that, in the, I know that sounds self-effacing. I don't mean that. I mean it in a good way. Like, for instance, Nick Moran. Nick Moran has an opinion that is worked out by him, that he has come to the conclusion about whether it's politically, socially, whatever it is, and it cripples him because every situation he's in, he's like, yeah, but this is wrong, you know, because why is that happening? With me, I'm like, if I want to know what I feel about uh, Boris Johnson, I have to phone my brother and go, Gareth, what do I feel about Boris Johnson? And Gareth goes, well, this is what you feel, John. I go, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I feel. And then that's my political stance, you know. But so I don't mean it self-effacingly about not being the brightest button, but what I mean is that... um, uh, Negative situations rarely happen. Rarely, rarely, rarely happen in my life, you know, very rarely. Well, maybe they do, but you just don't read them as such because you, you've trained and kind of armoured yourself for a life of potential rejection. Yeah, and also I'm pretty positive about stuff, you know. Because if you think about the, the average person, right, the average person in a lifetime will apply for, I don't know, 15, 20 jobs mm-hmm. across their career. Yeah. Um, it's kind of monthly but, for us. That. But that's a month. By the way... The, the real point is that all the actors are now screaming and going, fuck you, you get 15 to 20 job applications. I mean, yeah. you know, because... Jealous. Yeah, because, you know, I'm amazingly lucky that I've always got, I've always got something that's bubbling, you know, whether it happens or not. But, um, and that's amazing. So thinking about the fact people are going to listen to this and I don't want to sound like a complete tosser, I would say <laughs> that um, turning a negative into a positive for me, because I am very, very lucky and always have been, um, like I believe in karma. I believe very much. I'm not religious. I'm not religious at all. I would call myself, I would call myself an atheist and a socialist, which means I cannot believe that anything is destined, and it means I cannot believe that anything is karmically going to happen because it can't do, because of my political and religious beliefs. How but do you believe in karma? But the fact is, I know what you put out comes back massively which means there must be someone judging it all because someone's making that call. Someone's going, Jace, Jace gave 10 quid to the geezer on the street, therefore let's let him have that job. And do you think that's how it works? Yeah, yeah. You do? In the most basic way, yeah. Pay it forward. Yeah. You help someone out, something good happens to you and you don't get cancer. And that is how I view life. And there's no way that can be true, but I, I believe it completely. How does it help you to believe that? Well, it didn't help when I thought, I'm really lucky, everything's going great, so therefore I'm not going to have kids. And that seems fair. And then Ellie went, I'm pregnant with twins. And I was like, well, we're fucked now, aren't we? Because something <laughs> terrible is going to happen. Did you, did you think that? Yeah. You, yeah. you just thought, there's no way I can be this lucky. No, and... I'm not going to have kids. There's no way. Really? There's no way in God's green earth I'm going to get two, you know, two kids, perfect kids. That's not going to happen because I've, I've used up my luck. But it did. And um, 
So I guess you just keep going forward and hoping that... You honestly got yourself into that negative mindset. That surprises it me. It wasn't even negative. It was positive. It was like, that's fair. You know, what, you I've really got mates you've been who've too never lucky. worked. I've got mates who've never worked and they've got beautiful kids. And I'm like, well, there you go. That's, that's the way it works, you know. That's and the then, trade. Yeah, that's it, you know. Before I let you go, I just wondered if you could explain to me, what does redemption look like and feel like and mean to you? Um... You know, if you've, if you've always been given opportunities and you have, by the way, you can be given opportunities and not take them, but redemption is when you mess up, you know, whether you've had opportunities and messed them up or whether you've had no opportunities, redemption is a second chance. You know, redemption is achieving something. I'm not talking about achieving greatness. I'm talking about achieving a form of stability, which means you're independent, non-reliant and coping you know there's a lot of conversation about ecstasy or happiness or there's a lot of chat about that's the goal and I think the goal is a level of contentment and a level of calm and a lack of chaos and anarchy and I think that's the goal and I think a lot of the people I talk to through the meet through the prisons and a lot of people we know through our business you know Mm -hmm where they thrive on that chaos and they thrive on that madness. And as you get a wee bit older and hopefully um, find some sort of peace, I think redemption is that. I think redemption is a level of contentment and peace and a coping mechanism that you find, which gets you through life with the highs and lows of life, you know, not the ecstasy and the agony of life. You can't, yeah, you can't, you just can't live a life chasing those extremes, can you? You've got to learn to live in the middle and thrive in the middle, actually. And celebrate, people thrive, celebrate the middle. They thrive with the drama yeah. of the, the highs and the lows. But yeah. Celebrate actually, the middle. Yeah. You talk sometimes in your podcast about pinch me moments. Mm. And they're amazing, those pinch me moments. But they are fantasy and usually nonsense, you know, in the sense of like, they're crazy moments, which you should celebrate and should enjoy. Absolutely. But, but they're, they're not... not you- the 23 and a half hours in your day. Or even the 29 and a half days in your month. No. Yeah. You know? Or sometimes you get even half the 365 day of... days in your year. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're pinch yeah. moments, you know. They're, and, pin- they're moments. Yeah. And, that's and they, they can are. be life changing mm-hmm. or they can be life affirming, mm-hmm. but they're moments. Yeah, they're moments. And the rest it's... of the time, the rest of your year, you have to find some level of contentment. And you ain't going to get, especially in our business, but we're not talking about that, hopefully. We're talking about everyone's life. Yeah, everyone's You ain't going to get that in, in your life. You need to find a contentment within the confines of the reality of your existence. And that, that when you find contentment in that, that is the dream. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like marriage. You know? It's not all about the wedding day. Mm. It's about the years yeah. that you hope that we'll be yeah. happy. And we're not talking about, make it really clear, we're not talking about being satisfied with the mundane. I'm not talking about that. But, you know, the celebration of, of uh, I think kids make a massive difference, but, you know, watching Cass score a goal, knowing that Noah's a better football player, but watching Cass score a goal and having the relief of knowing that Cass will be elated by that, is that's what my life is. And, you know, I just want them to go forward and achieve what they want to achieve. But to have, which never happens, to have a level of peace within our family, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> Jason, how was your white wine question time? It was great. It was great. I was a bit nervous because I'm, I'm slightly, still slightly self-conscious about talking about, um, which is totally wrong, but I'm self-conscious about talking about stuff 
which appears to be selfless, you know, because everything I do, um, now that I'm 50, whatever, and I've got a few, not a few, yeah, I've got enough pounds to last till Christmas, for instance. I'm three months, always three months in the bank, which is all I've got. But that's an amazing thing to have. Gotcha. But, but I'm self-conscious about talking about stuff where people do stuff for other people because I just think it sounds a bit wanky. Um, but the truth is, you know, it's important to, if you have the space to, to do stuff and to put your hand out, you should. And I suppose I shouldn't be self-conscious about that. But here's the deal, right? So you, you, we're talking today about the podcast that you've done that is born mm. out of all of that, mm. all of that mm. stuff that you're talking about that you feel very uncomfortable mm. sharing. But when people then hit that subscribe button and they listen to people like Lennox's story yeah, on yeah, your it's podcast, amazing. and what what you know, or, or Tony Adams or mm. whoever it is that you're talking to, they understand the power of forgiveness mm. and the power of second chances, mm. and actually by highlighting that work you are you're doing you know you're paying it forward in ways that you can't ever see or feel but it's doing a job that we all need to do we need to learn to be more forgiving mm. and you know if somebody puts a, a job application in and you see that they've been in prison don't just dismiss yeah. them straight away listen to somebody like Lennox and go mm. right I'm interested to meet this person because somebody's got to give them that chance John Bird was a mm. brilliant example of yeah. that it goes on to start the, the big issue yeah but had had the most auspicious start in life and, and turned a passion for print into something that every street corner in every major city, you can see now somebody better in their situation yeah. selling the big issue. Yeah, it's now, amazing. The big issue is amazing, isn't it? And, you know, there are people that are going to be sat at this terrible crossroads at the moment in this pandemic going, I'm not working or I'm furloughed mm. or whatever it is, uh, you know. Maybe I could go and help somebody and do a shift at the Samaritans because they yeah, really need people. Yeah, or the people. food bank, wherever the fuck it is. It's just like, yeah. it's just like, even if you do it to pay for the fact you're not struggling, you know, then do it. Yeah, or just yeah. because you want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Or even if it's just the thing that is going to save your sanity because yeah. you're not sat there navel gazing at your own problems yeah. that you can't solve. Because a lot of people are going to be sat there right now going, I don't know how to fix myself. Yeah. Well, just try and fix somebody else yeah. for a while. Because so, it takes the focus off yourself. And, it does. And there's nothing better than that. It really isn't. So don't be too shy about, right. about being a good guy. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, More Than My Past is available where you get all of your, your podcasts. Download it, subscribe, share it, tell your friends, rate and review. Uh, because those are the things that really help to get those brilliant and really powerful stories out there. Um, as always, White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Richard Hatherell for Yahoo UK. Editing is by Callum Goddard, Mucklow, and Andy Bell, as always, provided the beats and the sounds. Uh, if you are looking to join our conversation, don't forget we're on Twitter and Instagram at WhiteWineQT. I'll see you next week and do as we do, and please always try to drink responsibly. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 